Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word.
You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears have gone.
you to sing with us that little chorus. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Thank you all. That's a beautiful, powerful song. We're going to be over in Psalm chapter 6 this morning. Psalm chapter 6, if you want to turn over to that. I want to uh, thank everyone who donated clothes to me this morning. So if I don't exactly match, that's uh, I still appreciate everyone who was involved in the effort. I would suggest you not find Larry Percival for a while because I am wearing his pants right now. So... Uh, uh, you might want to just let him go for a few minutes until he makes some other adjustments uh, there. Or if you wonder why he has on a shirt, tie, and sweatpants, uh, that, that might hold you right there. Well, uh, I was watching uh, the Kansas-Iowa State game yesterday. Anybody happen to see that game? Yeah, just the people over here. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody here from Iowa? Good game. Kansas had won 51 straight games at home. Uh, they thought they had a stranglehold on it. They couldn't lose. Uh, Baylor should have beat them the other night. They, they won there as well. They always seemed to win at home, but then Iowa State broke that stronghold and beat them in overtime, and that 51-game win streak at Allen Fieldhouse was over. But that wasn't even near the longest record in college basketball. UCLA at one time won seven straight national championships and went three and a half years without losing a game. Three and a half years without losing a single ball game. They won 88 straight games until they were finally defeated in South Bend, Indiana, 71 to 70, the Bill Walton team by Notre Dame. And so that invincible streak that you thought came to an end at that time. So you see those two streaks with Kansas and UCLA, and you think, okay, no streak goes on forever. Eventually, any stronghold can be broken. And that's what we're going to look at over in Psalm chapter 6, where David talks about a stronghold of sin that's come into his life that he can't seem to break, and what God is going to help him do there. So look over to Psalm chapter 6. The superscription as it starts simply says it's a Psalm of David. And it was written to be performed upon a stringed instrument. So this is a song that David wrote to be performed upon some kind of stringed instrument. It could have been a harp. Uh, could have been a lyre, which is kind of like a, uh, you know, a guitar or, or something like that today. But it was, it was made to be on some sort of a stringed instrument when the song was written. Like all the other psalms we've looked at in this series, in our Heart Cry series, this is a psalm that comes from the depths of the soul and we're going to see David here as we start out. And the first thing we see is this. When sin takes root in our life, it can form strongholds that are not easily removed. Just as Kansas had that winning streak, just as UCLA went over three years without losing a game. When you get a particular sin in your life, and that sin is so hard to break free of, it can form a stronghold that makes it even more difficult to break out of it. Look over to chapter 6, verse 1. 
David starts out and he says, Oh Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger. Do not discipline me in your wrath. So as David starts out here, he's in a bad place. He's just committed a sin that he's not only committed this time, but he's committed before and before that and before that. He's tried so very hard to break free of the sin, but now he's done it again. And he just comes to God and says, look, I know I've messed up. I know I shouldn't be doing this. I know I shouldn't have done it this time. I shouldn't have done it the times before. And so he says, don't rebuke me when you get angry. You have to be angry at me. Why? How could God not be angry, he's saying, after I've done this same sin over and over again. And I know that you're ready to discipline me. You're fed up with me and what I've done. So as the psalm starts out, that's David's mindset. I've messed up over and over again. I've done the same thing over and over again. God's got to be angry. God's got to be fed up. He's got to be ready just to pull the plug on me and say, I'm through with this one. He's never going to get it right. And so David comes with this absolute panic after he's committed this sin again. He goes on in verse 2 and he says, Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am faint. A lot of translations describe that as for I am weak. So what he says is, be merciful because I'm just a weak person. I've tried over and over again, but I'm just faint. I'm weak. I I can't seem to be able to get a handle on this. I can't seem to be able to stop what I'm doing with this particular sin. And so he pleads to God, it's beyond me. I can't do anything. Oh, Lord, heal me. My bones are in agony. So he literally says that, that I feel so bad about what I've done. It's like my very bones are hurting. Uh, you know, uh, that, that I just feel this pain from my sin that's gone everywhere. And then in verse 3, he says, My soul is in anguish. How long, O Lord, how long? And so he looks to God and he says, How long do I have to fight this? How many times do I have to pray, Lord, I can't do it. I give it to you. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I've tried so very hard. How many times do I have to keep trying and failing with this same sin? I'm in utter agony. What am I going to do about it? Several years ago at a a different church I used to pastor, I talked to to a a man who uh, was uh, almost in his 60s at that point, late 50s, and he told me that he had been fighting a porn addiction for 37 years. 37 years. He said, I've prayed about it. I feel bad about it. Uh, I, I, I tell God I'm never going to do it again. And then I go back and do it again. And then the internet came along, he said, and things became so easy and so accessible. And he says, I feel like dirt every time I do this. It destroys my whole life. I can't think straight. And then I go back and do it again the next day. That's a stronghold of sin that he is having trouble breaking through. And that's what David is describing here. This sin that has come upon him, whatever it may be, he's trying to fight it off. He's trying to do what he can, but it just is like a roller coaster. For a week or two, he's doing good, and then he's right back to where he was before. And so what has happened is that that sin has basically formed a little stronghold in this one area that he can't break through and do anything about. And we see it in several different areas of life. A lot of people see it in things like alcohol and drugs. Uh, they battle it for years. It's a, it's a constant struggle that they have there. It, it's, it's something that has brought their life down. We've talked about internet pornography. I know people who have struggled with anger for years. They've gone to counseling. They've done other things. And uh, then as soon as the situation turns, uh, they, just, they blow up and they're immediately angry again. Uh, we had a, a good friend at one of our former churches, and we knew that he had anger issues. 
that things would come up. And one time we were just eating at a restaurant with three or four other couples, and uh, somebody, one of his kids, knocked the, knocked the salt shaker off the table, and he immediately looked like berserk. He goes, what is wrong with you? Put this salt in there! Put it up now! And then he looks at everybody at the table, and then he just kind of sets back up and crosses in. And because we all knew him, we just kind of said, Okay, that's just him, you know, he's going he's gonna to lose it and have his freak out every once in a while. We called him the Incredible Hulk because, you know, he would just, just kind of have that. But these things that seem to be with you all the time, a lot of people, though, they, they struggle with things that don't seem as serious, but it's things they just can't seem to get out of their life, and they really are serious when you look at it, things like gossip. Uh, and we think, well, you know, is gossip a sin? Well, when you're, what we think gossip is, is I'm telling somebody something that they need to know. This is juicy information when I tell them. But you know what gossip really is? Gossip is you intentionally hurting another person. That's what gossip is. You are saying something that's going to make that other person look bad and bring them down. And whether you realize it or not, you're intentionally hurting that person. Or what about a sin that we don't think about often, like a, maybe just coveting, being jealous of other people and what other people may have and possess. And so that brings us down. We can't seem to break that stronghold. And that's where David is at this particular time in his life. A sin has taken root. He's done it again. He thinks God finally has to be fed up with him. It's in his very bones, and he doesn't know what to do about it. And that brings us to the next thing that we see in our scripture. The consequences of these strongholds of sin can be seen in every area of our life. They start to affect all of our life. Uh, because it's a stronghold, because it's a sin that we can't get rid of, that sin begins to seep out and take over other territory in our life. Look down in our scripture to verse 5. Verse 5. He says, no one remembers you when he's dead. Who praises you from the grave? So basically what he says is this. Look, it, it feels like it's killing me. I can't do anything about this. I've tried and tried. It's brought me down. It's gotten the best of me. It feels like it's killing me. Verse 6. I am worn out from my groaning. All night long, I flood my bed with tears and drench my couch with tears. So he says, look, this isn't like I've never tried to break this. It's not like I don't know it's wrong. I know it's wrong. I keep doing it anyway. Then I feel so bad that when I wait, lay awake at night, I think, why am I doing this? How am I so stupid? How am I so weak? How come I don't have more strength to stop this? And I literally cry all night long because of what I'm done and what is going on here in my life. So David had a very, very tough place right now. And then in verse 7, he says, My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. So whatever sin is in David's life, he doesn't tell us what it is. It's not only brought him down at the end of verse 7, he says, and it's given my enemies an opportunity to take advantage of me. All my foes are now found fighting against me. It's made me weak. It's, it's opened up other areas of my life now where people can come in and fight and do things to hurt me. And so my sin has consequences that go beyond the individual action. What we don't understand sometimes is that every sin you commit has a consequence to it. And that consequence is sometimes we feel them directly. Sometimes, sometimes they're just a deadening of our conscience or our soul. But every sin has a consequence in our life and what we're doing and how we're living it. Think about any of the things we talked about when we talked about of strongholds of sin that are there. Because in every one of them, they can bring us down. And I could tell you real life stories. 
I know a person because of their internet porn addiction literally got a divorce from his spouse because they couldn't handle it together. And so there was a, there was a divorce that takes place because the consequences were felt beyond just that one particular act that was going on. I know people who couldn't control their anger that what ended up happening was they were separated from their friends. Their friends finally got fed up with it and said, look, you know, if you're never going to get this under control, I don't want to be around you. I know people that, that because of their covetousness had a bitter spirit that their whole life was just always angry and jealous of other people and never lived the kind of life they could have or should have. And I know people who were gossips. I know two ladies who were sisters who were as close as anything they could be, and they got separated at the Kentucky State Fair. And one of them ran into another friend and said, I don't know where my stupid sister is. She always wanders off and, and goes out on her own, and I tell you, I'm sick of it. And then she happened to see the other sister. She said, I just saw your sister. She said, you always wander off and act stupid, and she never knows where you are. They didn't speak for two years after that. So gossip really did separate the closest of sisters. So sin has not only builds a stronghold, it then gets consequences in the rest of our life. We started out talking about basketball. Uh, you know, uh, six or seven of the top ten teams lost yesterday. But Syracuse won, uh, Jim Benheim won his 1,000th game. I don't know if you saw that or not. Anybody see that? No, you didn't see it because he didn't win his 1,000th game. Because 101 of those games were voided because of uh, academic fraud that happened at Syracuse. So they won a thousand games on the floor, but 101 of them were taken away because they were cheating in the classroom. And so what happened was the sin had consequences and they didn't celebrate a thousand wins yesterday because they didn't count. And what we need to understand is sin has consequences in our life. We've talked about it over and over before. I've told you about robbing White Castle. If I went over and robbed White Castle right now and said, give me four burgers right now, and I grabbed them and ran out the door, and I came over here and I ate my four burgers, and then I said, I feel really bad. I grabbed those four burgers from White Castle, and uh, I'm going to ask Jesus to forgive me. Would Jesus forgive me from stealing those four hamburgers and, and eating them? What do you think? Would he forgive me? Yes. When the police showed up, would they forgive me? No, there would still be consequences for my actions. I may be forgiven, but I would still get arrested for taking the hamburgers, okay? And I would also get some indigestion. There'd be other consequences that, that would come from that and everything. Uh, but, but, you know, there, there are consequences to our actions. And when our actions are strongholds of sin, things we can't seem to break free of, the consequences become even larger because that sin is something that tends to dominate and stay in our life. So, at this point in our scripture, it's very uplifting, right? So, if you were singing this, this song, you'd feel really excited right now, David. Oh, my life is in agony. I cry all night long. My bones are hurting. I'm going to write that song. If you'll put, put music to it, we'll, 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 we'll get it up there uh, here in a few minutes. So then the question is, what do you do about it, right? What do you do about it? So that's what David is going to talk about next. If this is the condition I'm in, what do I do about it? And the simple the fact of the matter is we're going to look at four things, but what David says is this. To defeat these strongholds, we need to take aggressive action. We need to take aggressive action. Now, here's the thing. The aggressive action isn't going to be you doing something in a better, stronger way. Here's the mistake we often make. 
We think sin is conquered by us having more discipline and being a little bit stronger. That's not how sin is conquered. Because sin has nothing to do with your willpower. Sin is something that is a spiritual problem in your life, okay? And it's only going to be conquered through God and God's Spirit. And what God is doing in your life, it's not going to be conquered by you having a little more discipline. Because discipline is going to come and go. Anybody here ever lost 10 pounds before? Anybody here ever gained 10 pounds back before? Yeah, discipline comes and goes. You know, the reason I'm wearing Larry's pants is because I have a suit in my office right now in case something like this happens. But when I put them on just now, they came to about here, you know. And so I said, well, that's not working very well, you know. And, and so uh, uh, luckily, Larry gained a little weight and I was able to fit into his pants, you know. And so, so everything, everything worked real well there. Don't, don't tell him that, wherever he is right there. So the aggressive action we need to take isn't more discipline in our life. It's getting closer to Jesus. And let's look at some of the things he says. First in verse 4, he says, First and foremost, we need to depend on God's unfailing love. If you're going to break a stronghold in your life, it's not I'm going to be tougher and stronger. It's I've got to get closer to God, and I'm going to depend first and foremost on God's unfailing love. Look at verse 4. Turn and deliver me, save me, because of your unfailing love. That is such a great verse there. I can't do this, David says. I've tried. I've tried over and over again. And the result of my discipline and trying is that I'm crying myself to sleep every night. So turn and save me, deliver me, because of your unfailing love. Not because I'm a good person. Not because I deserve it, but because you love me in spite of myself. Save me because of your unfailing love. So he says, if I'm going to break the stronghold, the number one thing I've got to depend on is that you're going to love me no matter what. No matter what I've done, no matter how bad it was, no matter how many times I may have done it, you're going to love me no matter what. Isn't that a powerful thing to defend upon when you're coming to a stronghold like that? Hey, it's not, it's wrong, and I'm going to be tougher. It's that you love me no matter what. That gives me confidence that I can come to you again and ask for forgiveness for the thousandth time. That gives me the confidence of knowing that you're always going to be there. You're never going to give up on me. You're always going to be pulling me towards you. And so that unfailing love becomes something I'm depending on if I'm going to break that stronghold. Now, we've talked before uh, as we've gone through our Heart Cry series, this word that's used for love here, it's, it's translated unfailing love. It's the Hebrew word hesed. And we talked about it. Hesed means unfailing, never dying, stubborn, never going to end. That is a, it's a, it's a unique word in the entire Old Testament. God's love is never going to stop. God's love is never going to end despite us and despite what we've done. That word hesed is used several times uh, in, the, in the Old Testament. It's used 253 times in the Old Testament. 253 times. It's used 128 times in the book of Psalms. 253 times total in the Bible, 128 of them in the book of Psalms. Why do you think half of the time the word hesed is used in the Bible, it's used in the Psalms? Because the Psalms are gut-wrenching, heartfelt cries from the soul. 
I'm torn up. I don't know what to do. My whole life is falling apart. I have to have Hesed. I have to have unfailing, undying, stubborn, never going to stop love. And that's what David says we have to depend upon. First and foremost, more than anything, is God's unfailing love. So to break a stronghold, the first thing we have to realize is that stronghold is going to be broken, not through me, but through God's unfailing love for me. (laughs) He goes on. The next thing that he says is, okay, I I have to depend on God's love, but then I have to admit I've got a problem and seek God's forgiveness. You see, the, the, the power of strongholds is that they're a lie in our life. Strongholds are telling us things like, well, anger is a way of protecting yourself. Internet porn is a way of getting pleasure or, or, uh, or, or you know, uh, sexual fulfillment or something like that. Gossip is a way of you telling a juicy tidbit that people just need to know, uh, something like that. So all strongholds are built upon a lie. So one of the main things you need to do in breaking the stronghold is to identify the lie and say, hey, this isn't the truth, and I'm now going to do something about it. Look down to verse 8 of our scripture passage. He says, Away from me, all of you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. So he says, okay, all these people that are out to get me now, all, all these things that are happening, all these consequences that have come upon me, what I'm saying is, away from me, the Lord has heard my weeping. What's he weeping about? He's gone to God and he said, I've messed up again. I've done wrong. I know it. And I'm admitting it to you. And because I'm admitting it to you and trusting in your unfailing love, I believe that you are greater than all the forces that are coming against me. So the first thing we have to do is exactly what David does here is say, okay, I admit I've messed up. I admit I've got a problem. I admit I've done something wrong. And you identify the lie. So let's go back to anger again. And we say something like, okay, I I know I get angry all the time. Anger is a means that we use to protect ourselves, sociologists say. But we have to admit my anger isn't protecting me. My anger is actually making things worse in my life. We do internet porn because we think it it is giving us some sort of sexual release. But the truth of the matter is all it is doing is deadening you from real relationships and real love with other people instead of really being able to fulfill that kind of thing. We think gossip is just telling a juicy tidbit about something, but what we've actually done is intentionally hurt another person. And so you admit the lie. It's a lie. It's not there. It's something that I have to identify. This is wrong. And then ask God to forgive you of what you have done. And so that's exactly what David does here in our scripture passage. He finally admits the lie and does something about it. What's the hardest thing for somebody with a stronghold of sin in their life to do is to admit they've got a problem. The hardest thing for an alcoholic to do is to come forward and say, I've got a problem with alcohol and alcohol is hurting my life. That's the hardest thing they have to do. That's why in AA, how do you introduce yourself? You immediately get up and say, hey, you know, my name is Chip Pendleton and I'm an alcoholic. Uh, Because what you were basically saying is I'm identifying the problem and I'm not holding back. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to hide it any longer because that makes it that makes it lose its power when you can identify it and name it. So David says, admit you have a problem. Seek God's forgiveness. The third thing he says is repent and begin to tear down the stronghold. Repent and begin to tear down 
that stronghold. Look at verse 10 in our scripture passage. All my enemies will be ashamed and dismayed. They will turn back in sudden disgrace. So David says, okay, I've done wrong. Now I'm going to do something about it. I believe God loves me. I've identified the stronghold. I've admitted it's a lie. I've asked God to forgive me. And now I'm going to start rebuilding my life. I believe God is going to start doing that with me in my life where I am right now. And so David begins to work on that and to put those pieces back together. He said, all of my enemies are going to be ashamed. They're going to run in disgrace. So everything that's holding him back, everything that's pulling him down, he says, God is now going to do something about. Over in Romans chapter 7, verses 18 through 25, David talks about this cycle that, or Paul talks about the cycle we often get into. Listen to what he says. I know that good itself does not dwell in me, in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I never carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do, I keep on doing it. Now, if I do what I don't want to do, it's no longer I doing it, but sin inside of me. So I find this wall at work. Although I want to do good, evil is always there with me. I delight in God in the inner law, but there's another law outside of me waging war in my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Oh, what a wretched man that I am. So that's where David is at the beginning of this, exactly where Paul says, I'm a wretched man because I keep fighting this and I never win. Then he says, I need to depend on God's love. I need to trust that God is going to be there to forgive me no matter what. And I need to begin to repent and to tear down the strongholds. Strongholds in your life are not going to be torn down most times in one day. If it took 37 years for some people to build the stronghold, it's not going to just be kicked down. You've got to begin to take one brick out at a time. There may be three good days and one bad day, but hopefully next week there's four good days and then before you have another bad day. You're slowly moving forward. God's interested in your progress and where you're at. You see, we want to be completed right now, but God's just interested in moving us forward one step at a time, making us more like him because we're never going to be completed anyway until heaven. You know, we've talked before that C.S. Lewis analogy that a baby learning to walk, a baby takes two, three steps when it falls down. You don't pick it up and whip it for falling down. You call your grand, your mom and dad and say, guess what? They took three steps today. And Lewis said, guess what? Every time you take a step forward, God is pleased. God is excited that you're moving forward. And so you begin to break down those strongholds one at a time. You know, uh, have you ever seen any of the, the ads on television where, you know, they, they say, hey, you know, I know I'm in perfect shape and look good, but I just lost a thousand pounds on Nutrisystems or something, something like that. You know, then, then they show that, you know, I got the Nutrisystems. All I got to tell you is it tastes awful. You know, that's the worst food I've ever tasted in my life. All that processed, nasty stuff. I just spent a lot of money and then gave it away at the end of it. But uh, I got back to eating my cheeseburgers, really enjoyed them, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So there's kind of trade-offs to all of those different things. But how do you lose a 1,000 pounds? One pound at a time. That's exactly how to do it. How do you break down strongholds? One brick at a time. A journey of a 1,000 miles begins with one step. And then the last thing David says is, okay, but what's the big picture? The big picture is simply this. I have to trust in God's mercy. I've got to trust that God's going to forgive me no matter what, that he's right there with me. He not only loves me, he's going to forgive me. Look at verse 9. The Lord heard my cry for mercy, 
and the Lord accepted my prayer. If you just think about two things today, if, I, if this is all you get out of the sermon, that's great. God loves you no matter what, and God forgives you no matter how many times you come back to him. If that's your foundation, then you can start destroying strongholds because you know God's always gonna be there. He's always gonna love me, and he's always gonna forgive me. The Lord heard my cry for mercy, and he answered my prayer. If you're here today and there's a stronghold of sin in your life, you need to know that God hears your prayer, he loves you, and he's gonna give you mercy. Josh Hamilton was one of the best players in Major League Baseball. He was the most valuable player of, of Major League Baseball. Not only that, he signed a $125 million contract. Now, who would like to sign that contract? I wouldn't mind signing a $125 million contract. Personnel's meeting today. If you want to <laughs> give them a call and talk to them about that. $125 million contract. He had a battle with alcohol that went on and on. It nearly ruined his career. At one point, he missed an entire season because of alcoholism. He gave his life to Christ. He came back. Everything seemed to be going good. He got married, had a couple of kids. Uh, Everything seemed perfect. He was speaking in churches, and then he had a relapse. And he not only had a relapse, it was so bad that he nearly lost his entire baseball career over it. He lost his wife. He lost his children. He lost his family. Josh Hamilton just signed uh, last week again with the Texas uh, Rangers. He's going to try one more time coming back to baseball. But he spoke at a church just a couple of weeks ago after squandering his career, losing his family, declaring he was a Christian, and then falling back into his addiction once again. This is what Josh Hamilton said at that church. Addiction is a very humbling experience. Getting it under control is even more humbling. I thought that I was a tough guy, even after I became a Christian. And I just said things to God like this. God, I believe you're real, and if you get me out of this mess, I'm going to buck up and I'll never do this again. I promise you. But that didn't work for very long. It worked for a week, two weeks, a month, two months, but I always seemed to go back. And then I lost my, my family my wife, my children, I hurt my team, I disappointed my fans, and I destroyed my entire life. I could hide in shame this morning and just withdraw, but I'm here standing in front of the church to tell you this. I'm going to be a man for the first time in my life. A lot of people will look at me and say, Josh, you're just a hypocrite and you've let Jesus down, but I'm not. I'm just a sinner that Jesus saved. That's where most of us are. We can act like we've got it all together. We can act like we never mess up and look good when we come. We don't have to wear other people's pants when we're standing in church. But the truth of the matter is, when we look deep inside, we feel like I try over and over again, and I keep failing over and over again. I'm going to tell you something about the psalm we've just heard. Nothing has changed in David's life when it's over. He's still got the same problems. He's still got the same sins that are haunting him. But everything has changed about who he is. 
because of two things that he realized. Nothing will ever happen in my life that will cause God not to love me. And if I come back to God sincerely, he will always forgive me. And that changed everything. And he was able to say, because I believe those two things, I believe you've heard my prayer and those strongholds are going to start coming down. Because the power of the stronghold is I feel like there's no escape and there's nothing I can do. But I've just found out you're always going to love me. I've just found out you're always going to forgive me. And that's going to change everything as I move forward in you. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you that you love us despite ourselves. We put on a good face so many times, but everyone in this room, me included, Father, we wouldn't want anyone to know half the things that go on in our minds and in our lives. And yet, Father, we know you love us. We know you forgive us. We know there's always hope. We know that we are never defeated as long as we get back up and we start walking once again. In Jesus' name, amen. As we come to this time of invitation, I just want to encourage you to look at your life and to identify some of those areas of your life, some of those things that have held you down. You see, sin sometimes becomes what's dominant in our life when it wasn't supposed to be. What's supposed to be dominant in our life is God and the things of God. And so we need to start saying, God loves me, God's forgiven me, and I'm going to start centering on other things. Instead of getting up every morning and saying, I'm going to spend all day long fighting my sin, we're supposed to get up every morning and say, Lord, help me do good today. Help me find people to help. Help me find people to bless. You see, there's an entirely different attitude there. Am I going to get up and say, all day long, help me not to do anything wrong. There's bad things out there trying to get me, and I can't overcome them. Are you going to get up and say, today I'm going to go out and make a difference in somebody else's life. I'm going to help someone. I'm going to bless someone. I'm going to do something to make a difference today. You see, when we begin to think in that way, the strongholds come down. And you can think that way because of the two things we've heard. God loves you no matter what. God forgives you every time you come back to him. So during this invitation, you just need to know that right where you're standing. Go to God and say, Lord, I'm giving this to you. I'm seeking your forgiveness. Help me start living in a positive way for you. You can come pray at this altar about any needs that you have in your life. We've got ministers that would love to pray with you. You can come and say, I want to join this church, be a part of what this church is doing. But the most important decision you'd ever make is to come and say, I want Jesus Christ in my life. I want to follow him as Lord and Savior. I want to find what that true love and forgiveness is all about. But you respond as we stand together and we sing. Stories of war, they think your life will have a tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone.
very powerful song that you go out just knowing God loves you. God is there with you. He's there to give you peace and encouragement and strength. His peace be with you.
hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.